Life has chapters. So who you once were or who you want to be as a person, you're allowed to turn the page. You're allowed to say that was a chapter and I own it. And now this is a chapter and I don't have to live exactly the same. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello again, and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today I have with me our guest, Melanie Hicks. Melanie is a work life cycle expert who's focused on education, nonprofit, and small business trends. With more than two decades of experience, she has worked with more than 100 clients. Now, in addition to her consulting work through her company, In Pursuit, Melanie is also an awarded author and grant writer with more than 20 years of writing experience where she's written business cases, speeches, sales copy, and more than $90 million in grants. Most recently, Melanie has also completed her first full-length manuscript in the form of her memoir, Incongruent. In addition, Melanie has been published in numerous magazines and websites, including Forbes.com, Elevate Network, Authority Magazine, and others. But today, Melanie has joined us to speak about her latest venture, Inked Elephant, which is a boutique publishing firm with a mission to tell 10,000 stories by the year 2025, as a result, create a positive social impact. Today, we talk about Melanie's mission and the importance of storytelling for self-awareness as well as healing, both in the author and the reader. Enjoy. So, Melanie, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, I'm very excited to have you because, you know, one of the things that really gets me out of bed in the morning is writing books that have social impact. And so when I heard from you and saw that you have Inked Elephant, which I can't wait to ask you about that name, (laughs) you know, I thought, well, this is a lady that I think would be a great person to come on the author's corner and talk with us about your work and your goal to tell 10,000 stories by 2025, which is very ambitious. Very ambitious. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of different ways where I plan to achieve that goal. So <laughs> I would love to, maybe we can get to talking about some of those, but before we go anywhere, I just have to know where did the name elephant come from when you formulated this organization? Yeah. So it's a person can't see, but I see the elephant behind you on your bookshelf. (laughs) I'm a big elephant fan. So tell me more. (laughs) So I have been collecting elephant art from around the world uh, for maybe two decades. And so it's always been kind of my own spirit animal. I love all of the characteristics that they represent kind of the real life elephants and the kind of mystical representation that cultures have attached to them over the centuries. And so I'm really attached to all of those. And so when it was time to, so this work, the kind of 
the idea of, of publishing house and really doing storytelling is where it started. It started, I have an, a small consulting boutique consulting firm called In Pursuit. And so this work really began as In Pursuit Storytelling. It was a division of my consulting firm. And it was, people knew me as a writer. They knew that I had written for a lot of magazines and a lot of ghostwriting and a lot of different things and really wanted my help on their manuscripts, wanted some literary guidance, wanted me to help them, you know, write things. And I thought, you know, let me just see how this goes. And sure enough, you know, kind of in pursuit storytelling took on a life of its own. And because of that, I wanted it to have its own personality. I wanted it to have its own, not just branding from like a marketing sense, but like a real in-depth, real personality, right? And I believe organizations are innately human. And so it's the human element that make organizations who they are. And I've been studying the publishing industry for nearly a decade. And I saw the gaps where there was some holes. There's the traditional side with agents and large publishers, which is wonderful in its own right, but it's also, you know, very limited and very much dictated by those publishers. And then you have all the full spectrum down to people who just kind of put something up on Amazon and it doesn't have a lot of professional touch to it. It may be, in my opinion, not the best reflection of their legacy or the best that they can do. And then there's kind of some salesy sides in there and some predators like all markets, right? And Uh I really wanted to be somewhere in the middle of boutique firm that was authentic to the author and really cares about telling the story, but telling it well, telling it in a way that is quality with, I have quality partners with professional design firms and professional editors and other professional ghostwriters besides myself, if someone needs to just be interviewed and have someone else actually put pen to paper, so to speak. And then also just guidance on, I have this book, I'm a great writer, but I don't know where to go from here, but I don't want to just put it up on Amazon by myself. I want some help. And so we kind of cover that spectrum. And I feel like that's a market that is still not completely, you know, overrun yet. And I wanted Inked Elephant to have a unique personality. So getting back to the name, I knew Elephant was going to be part of it when I decided to break it out as its own entity. And the Inked is a little bit random. My consulting firm is called In Pursuit. My book is called Incongruent. And my (laughs) kind of mantra of life is Ikigaye. And so I've been, I've had this swirling of eyes for a long time. And so I was sort of brainstorming around what is an elephant writing and somehow ended up with inked elephant. So. (laughs) Yeah. I was noticing the IN in front of all these different things. So I'm glad that there's actually some basis to that. So tell me more about the kinds of books, because this is about telling stories and Mm tell people to tell personal stories. Are you focused mainly on memoir or how do you qualify that you're telling a story. Yeah. So it has to be, we, Inked Elephant's relatively new. So we haven't fully defined all the parameters, but what the parameters we have right now is it has to be an authentic story. And so we have our first, we're in the works of our first fiction story, but it's historical fiction based on an actual person's life, but we don't have enough information to make it a full nonfiction. And so it is going to be a fiction story, but loosely based on a real person who, who was in actually the Battle of Perryville and well, wasn't in the Battle of Perryville, was from Perryville, Kentucky and in the Civil War. And so we really look for stories that are interesting and authentic, whether those are true stories or a call to action from someone from something deep in their heart. I'm working on a book that'll be released, I believe in February is the release date with a client called Disaffected. And it's about getting out the vote in BIPOC and underserved populations and not giving up hope. And so there's just, it really right now it's author by author interview to say, are you passionate about getting this story out to a larger audience and how can we help you amplify your impact? Nice, nice, great. 
So, and then I'll just, since we're on the topic of books and Mm -hmm. stories, so you have a book coming out in the spring. I do. Um, I have my first full-length book, if you don't count my dissertation from academia. Well, no so one was I've done so much short, short version <laughs> writing, but this is actually a real labor of love. I is my first full-length manuscript. It's called Incongruent uh, Travel Trauma Transformation. And it's really about what life looks like when it doesn't turn out the way that you're supposed to and rising above adversity and in your own way, even if it's not exactly where society would have put you. It's based in some other traumas, but also me as a childless woman in sort of a child-centric world. And what does that look like in terms of how do you build a legacy when most every woman in the world says their greatest accomplishment is their children? Mm. And I love that. But when that's not part of your journey, then what? Right. And how do you find that in yourself? How do you find your own legacy? How do you build your own legacy? How are you brave enough? And it take it's the story of the trek to Everest Base Camp, which I took in 2018 and or 2019. Yes. And, but along the way, it is other stories of travel and the life lessons that they gave to me and also how I healed myself from various traumas and kind of found myself through travel. And so my hope is that is something that resonates, at least pieces and parts of it resonate with people as they, as everyone is looking to set their own legacy, to find their own kind of true self. And so that's my goal in the book is to tell these interesting stories that I've had the privilege of being a part of as I travel through the world, but also to maybe inspire someone to dig deep and find their own dharma. Yeah, great. Huh. I like that. I think I'm hearing some themes here that we mm-hmm. might have in common around uh, yogic practice. So, <laughs> but before we go there, something that occurred to me as you were saying this was your first full length, full length book. And you've obviously published several articles and written grants and dissertations. So, you know, those are certainly long form. What were some of the challenges that you experienced making that transition into book writing? Like, what were some of the things that really stood out to you as different or, you know, unfamiliar or difficult challenges? Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, I think the first and foremost challenge that comes to mind when it came to this book is vulnerability. So, when you write a story that comes from your own soul, right? It is very vulnerable place. And to make it worthy of someone else's time to read it, you've got to dig deep. And there was one of, I had someone on my own podcast and I'm forgetting her name now. Her last name is Whitaker. I'm forgetting her first name. So Dr. Whitaker that said it's shadow work, right? We have to go into the shadows, into the places that are a little scary and dark and be okay. And you don't have to, it's not a narcissistic episode. You don't have to write every detail of everything, but you've got to make it deep enough that someone else can share that empathetic sense of connection with you. And so that being vulnerable enough to share some of these traumas that have occurred to me and being brave enough. And I will say that a year ago, there was one particular piece of the book that I wasn't going to share much. And it was about a really toxic, volatile domestic violence situation. And I wasn't going to talk about that in the book. I was just going to kind of gloss over it. At an event, I ended up sitting next to a woman named Michelle Jewsbury, who founded a nonprofit that helps domestic violence and wrote her own book. And she basically encouraged me. She said, you can't leave that out. It's an important piece of your story. It's an important piece of why you don't have children because of the time and the timing of that relationship in my kind of childbearing years. right? And so that kind of encouragement was really important. And another author, a friend of mine, Jen Pasteloff, also said the same thing. She's like, you've got to write what can't be written, what you think can't be written. And so getting the vulnerability, that was the first 
hurdle to get through. The second hurdle is much more pragmatic, which is figuring out your cadence of writing. Writing a book, it takes time. I mean, this was, <laughs> I always say like a decade in the thinking, two years in the making, right? <laughs> but you know, part of it was figuring out a cadence of writing that worked for me, that worked for my work schedule, that worked for my my personal life schedule, my husband, my dogs, my, you know, like my volunteerism, you know, and not letting it gather dust because writing is a muscle. And the longer you go without using it, the weaker you get and the farther back you have to start to build that muscle again. And so for me, I figured out my cadence happened to be that I need to go away sit by myself for multiple days and start it, get the ball rolling. Cause it was the only way I need to do a big enough chunk to get me inspired to roll the ball up the hill. And then an hour every morning, no question, whatever I had to do, if I had to get up at three 30 in the morning, or if I could get up at five 30 in the morning, it doesn't matter, but I was going to fit in an hour of writing. And I didn't keep everything I wrote during that hour. Sometimes I was too tired or sometimes I was distracted, but the practice of writing every morning, there's a really forgetting her name and she's really famous, but there's a book called The Artist's Way and she talks Julia about Cameron. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I, I well, how am I forgetting this? But yeah, and she talks <laughs> about morning pages, right? And this became a mantra for me is my version of morning pages was working on the book. And sometimes I wrote, you know, for my full hour and then went, uh, I hated all of that and I threw it all out. And it was fine because I was still up every day working on it. But it did require that I had that time. I went to Taos, New Mexico, actually, and stayed in a refurbished 1950s airstream for a week. And that's how I started the real writing, the real depth of the work, because I needed to get it to a point where it had some bulk before. And so I think those are the two things, one very pragmatic and one a little bit more spiritual, but finding your vulnerability and being brave enough to say the words that have to be said. And then you know, figuring out your own life and your own cadence to make it happen. Yeah. I'm curious because I think that obviously it's challenging to be vulnerable and especially in a book because books are forever. Yeah. <laughs> you think the internet's forever. Give me one 2000 year old web page, and I'll concede my point anyway. <laughs> one day. <laughs> right, right, right. Maybe one day. But I think it's particularly challenging. And of course, I'll admit, I'm speaking of myself, like when I've had to go and be vulnerable, I think it is a little challenging when you are the expert, you know, when you're used to being in the place of writing because you have the answers, right? And people come to you with their vulnerabilities. Anything to add to that? Because I just have noticed in myself, sometimes takes a little bit more internal oomph to get myself to go there. Yeah, that's 100% true. So, you know, my writing history is about being an expert, Authority Magazine, Forbes, you know, writing grants where, you know, I've been writing grants for two decades. I can pretty much write a grant in my sleep at this point. And those are, those come from a place of learned expertise. However, the vulnerability that you have to do to tell stories about yourself is a whole different level of shadow work. Yeah. So it really does take a different level of you know, work. And, you know, I keep using the word vulnerability, but it really is at a new level of depth to to talk about yourself and to come from a place. If you're telling a story about yourself, one of the things I found was it was really easy to tell the fun stories, right? Like I've had this wonderful opportunity to travel the world and meet some amazing people and be in some really unprecedented places, like not necessarily planned places, right? I had this wonderful, very solemn opportunity to go into a cellar in a random restaurant in Berlin and see the notches on the wall that the families who had hid there during the Holocaust made, right? That was a sheer coincidence that owner happened to come to our table. He happened to invite us to see this 
you know, those stories, although that one's poignant, it was still sort of a fun story in the sense of like this really amazing experience I got to have, very poignant experience. At the same time, talking about things like my own, what I call the shame monster, right? The time in life where my idea about you only live once meant partying all the time, what meant making poor decisions and not living up to the fullest version of myself that I wanted to be, right? Those are harder. Those are harder to write. It's harder to look yourself in the mirror and say, that is an ugly version of myself. But if I don't share it, then I'm not really healing from it and no one else is being helped by it. So. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, well, you know, it's interesting because I think that when you have gone through challenging things and in a lot of ways, it makes you a better expert, right? I mean, <laughs> if you, uh, if everything was just always easy and perfect, you don't quite get the same level of perspective, I think. That's absolutely but, true. But it is also true that when you're putting yourself out there as the go-to person, it would be very difficult to admit your party girl passed. Yeah. <laughs> In all of my public speaking, I always make this point that whether I'm talking to an organization and or a nonprofit board or a group of women that are for motivation purposes, I always say life has chapters. And we sometimes, especially with social media, We have this challenge about closing chapters and moving on. So who you once were, how you once led an organization, the culture of an organization, what an organization might want to be or who you want to be as a person, they all, you're allowed to turn the page. You're allowed to say that was a chapter and I own it for good, for bad, for ugly. And now this is a chapter and I don't have to live exactly the same. And I don't have to like exactly the same things. I don't have to lead exactly the same way. And the organization doesn't have to have the same mission if we've all decided in a room that it needs to change. Right. And so I really love this idea of continuing to push this idea of chapters and, you know, chapters is not lost on me that it's an irony that I (laughs) write books and that is how I, my illustration visualizes itself. But I really do believe that we sometimes get stuck in in ruts because we're afraid to say it's time for a change because people know us as something. And this was really illustrated to me. I worked at a university as an assistant provost for a number of years. And I made, I was kind of new in town in that role. I moved to town for that role and made a very large network in the community because I do a lot of volunteer work and part of leadership groups. And when I left the university to do other work, to get into consulting, actually, I could not seem to shake that connection with me. And it's not that I wanted to disavow. I loved the university. It was just time for me to move on in my career. And I was still teaching as an adjunct. So I was connected loosely to them, but I would go into political circles or professional circles rather. And people would introduce me as still from the university. And I'd be like, no, no, I work for in pursuit. I have a consulting firm, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's really hard for people to sort of move their cheese as to who I am because I was in a box for them, right? I was the university person, right? And so... I think we do that to ourselves as well, right? It's one thing for other people. It's not their responsibility to reframe us. We have to do that for ourselves. But sometimes we get stuck and don't reframe ourselves. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm also thinking of, I mean, this is one of the big reasons why a lot of people come to us for help writing a book. And I would imagine perhaps for you as well, is that they are in a period of reinvention. Yes. And they have a great body of experience behind them, but they are wanting their next chapter to be a different expression of, you know, maybe a lot of the same skills, but in a different context or with a different group of people or whatever it might be. And 
it really can be a powerful tool to facilitate that transition. And I'd love to hear from you as to what your observations are on that. Yeah. You know, I think writing this book for me was the only way to really have closure on a lot of these things. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you that at the start of this book. I didn't set out to write a book in order to have closure, but it was the byproduct of sharing these stories was going back and looking myself in the face at all these different ages and saying, okay, it is what it is. That is the truth. That is what happened. Here's how we've grown. Here's who we are now. And it became a real point of closure. And I think that's true for a lot of people. You know, it's not lost on me that there are literally millions of articles and posts that say that part of mental health should be journaling, right? And journaling at this point is still primarily a female activity, but I say it to my husband all the time, like journal some of this, write some of this down. And even if you're not brave enough or have the inclination to want to share it publicly, writing in general is very cathartic. It's very healing. And there's something about getting it out on paper, whether that is typing it or journaling it or writing with colored pens, like I like to do. And so I do believe that it is transformative in that way. And whether or not you share it or not, I truly believe in part of the founding of Ink Elephant is that everyone has a story to tell. We all have lived really interesting lives from our own perspective. And some people will say, oh, I didn't, I didn't. But if you really get down to it, everyone has some version, either whether that's a version of strife or a version of joy or a version of living the life of the girl next door, right? I mean, we all have some story that's really interesting if it's told the right way. And I really believe that. And you started off this talking about impact. And so I want to divert us a little bit there. So Inked Elephant Hat is a social impact publishing company. I don't know of any other publishing houses that put that right up front. I know some do some really great pro bono work, but one of our, my core mission, the the core mission of the organization is to tell as many stories as possible. And we did make a very ambitious goal of 10,000 by 2025, but that doesn't just mean full books. I don't expect to publish 10,000 books through there. Then that makes it more. Yes. It really is telling a lot of people's stories. So, and I I don't think Simon and Schuster is going to publish 10,000 books by 2025. No, no. I use the word stories. I want to, so even in, in the book that's coming out in February, Disaffected, I think the team. And I did probably 30 interviews. And then I told another through third-party research, another probably 40 stories. So we've got 70 stories just in one book coming out there. And so that's really what I mean. I mean, telling sometimes the story is one person's story. Sometimes it's a lot of stories all in one work. And then also, you know, we're doing some blog work. We're going to do some interviews. I'm doing some cross-promotion stuff as we grow with other organizations that are telling great stories and getting messages out of hope and empowerment and all kinds of things. And we want to amplify those. And so that's all part of the storytelling for us. Yes, we want to publish really great books that have really great messages, but we also just want to amplify storytelling in general, whatever that looks like. Campfire storytelling to full-on professional publications. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for that clarification. I was trying to calculate in my head how you were going to do 10,000 books in the next three years. No, um, not no, no <laughs> that, that is not, not going to happen. 10,600 no. and, and something based on your current count. Yes. So tell me more about the social impact. You know, one of the things that first occurred to me, because I know this has been a really big, well, it's always been an issue in publishing, but it's come more to light in publishing, I think, since Jasmine Ward's po- Twitter post about publishing paid me. And the issues and shortage of diversity and, you know, BIPOC voices in the publishing world, is that part of your vision and mission? And can you give me some examples of, you know, works that you're 
engaged in or would like to be engaged in? Sure, sure. Yeah, I definitely want to tell more stories about underserved populations, voices, you know, really amplify voices that aren't being heard. That is a definite piece of our mission. And I will say the book coming out in February, Disaffected, is a lot of those voices. It is about the BIPOC and the Black communities and why it still matters to vote, why voting still matters and should be, that their voice should be heard in the political realms that, and really looking at how those votes really do affect everyday life and how changes in policies and politics can trickle down. Sometimes we start to look at particularly federal and think, oh, that it doesn't really affect me. It's so far away, so removed from my everyday life, especially for those really struggling and working paycheck to paycheck and just trying to keep their families together and keep food on the table. But in the end, it all boils down. There's a lot of local that's involved. And so kind of keeping that. And so that's kind of the first illustration of that commitment. The pro bono aspect of Inked Elephant is for every story we tell, we want to tell a pro bono story. So currently I'm working in Colorado on a book that is loosely titled, this is not the final title, but Impact in Colorado, which is a pretty boring title. So it'd have a much better. <laughs> but I'm interviewing for-profit companies who have a social impact mission or nonprofits who have a for-profit arm that divert a social enterprise arm that diversifies. And really tell it, trying to tell their stories. We're going to gather probably 10 to 12 of these kind of case studies on what does it look like to, you know, what inspired you to want to give part of your profits away? What is the core behind your mission? Because what I came to learn is a lot of these started from a really inspirational story, right? There is the winner of an award here called the Prism Award for Social Impact here in Colorado Springs last year was a mechanic shop who kept seeing these single mom and lower income families come in and they really needed transportation. And they had, they were there to have their car fixed, but sometimes they really couldn't do all that needed to be done, or they would get the estimate and then be like, I just can't afford it. And they'd roll away. And the truth is they needed the help. This is their only form of transportation. And so the mechanic shop took it upon themselves to start a foundation and start giving, putting aside part of their, and made an entire structure about how much of their profits will go into this nonprofit fund to help struggling residents who need help with their car repairs. And it's just, it comes from a place of heart. And that's what's really important to me to be able to help amplify people doing great things that they hardly ever get noticed, right? Like very few people know about this mechanic shop. Very few people know they have this knowledge, but they're passionate about it. And they're raising money on a day-to-day basis in everything they do to help individual people, real human stories. And so we're going to highlight you know, 10 to 12 of those. It's going to be volume one. I'm doing Colorado as volume one. I hope to do more of, of these impact books, maybe with a theme or maybe another state. And so that, I'm not exactly sure on the publication date on that, but sometime next in 2023, that'll come out. So, so now, did you share with me or do you have a title for the other book on the disaffected? Oh, it's disaffected. Disaffected is the title. The author. The author is Sean Pittman. Sean Pittman. Okay. We got to keep an eye out for that one. That sounds Yeah. It's going to be a great work. He's got a really touching story from his humble beginnings and how he rose to be kind of the powerful advocate that he is in the state of Florida. And then a lot of great research, a lot of great interviews. So it's really going to be really powerful work. Yeah. It sounds really exciting. I think I might have to have Sean on my show when the book is should. You definitely should. I will connect connect us. Absolutely. Talk with him. I think that sounds like a really great concept. Yeah. Fantastic. So what have I not asked you that you would love to answer? Ooh, there are a couple of really burning questions in the publication space that I 
would love people to get in touch with me and tell me. I would love people to find me on social media and just tell me this answer is, what do you need? Like, how can I support you? How can Inked Elephant support people out there with great ideas and great stories that want to get them out? Where are they in their journey? Every time I go and I get the privilege to speak with people about Inked Elephant, I find people in different stages of their journey. And the more I learn about those stages, the more I want to figure out ways to support them. Because I really believe, you know, we've used this word too many times on this, but I really believe in storytelling. I'm truly, truly called to it. I believe it's how we share our souls with each other as humans. And I want to help meet people where they are and get them to a place of excellence. That's terrific. Yeah. And I do think that when I just think I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who want to be authors. I mean, I've been at this for over 20 years. Of course. Maybe thousands of people by now. I don't know. And I think that maybe the biggest challenge for most people is the question I hear the most is probably, I don't know what I need. Mm -hmm. I don't know even how to start to ask for what I need because I don't even understand this process well enough to understand what I need. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I will always say to those people is, you know, ask people like you and I for help, but also (laughs) that's that's right. Just wake up and write or write before bed or write at your lunch hour or whatever, because creativity begets creativity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if you have something to say, just get it out there. There's a great story in uh, big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is not, this story is not her. It's her quoting a story about the tiger. And it roughly is, you know, a creativity is a tiger. It's running at you and you have three choices. You can be ready for it and jump on its back. You can hesitate, but still want to ride. And so you grab the tail and you're in for a bumpy ride, or you can let it run right past you and it's never coming back. Mm-hmm. And I visualize that tiger all the time. When I have an idea, I'm like, how do I just like write this down on a, I keep a little notepad with me all the time, just jot notes, or I have my phone and I'll jot notes in the note bucket just to, there you go on your watch. I'm pointing at my Apple watch because I discovered there's a voice memo feature. Oh, very good. So when I'm walking the dog, which is when most of my best ideas occur to me. And I just discovered it this morning, oddly. Because I was frustrated because I was actually getting something gelling in my mind. And I'm like, oh, I don't have my phone. I don't have anything to write with. And I was like, wait a minute. That's right. And I said, voice memo. And Siri said, oh, that, we have that. <laughs> Amazing. I, I love that. I know. I'm almost never happy to hear from Siri. But this time I was very happy. <laughs> fair, fair game. Right. Normally, Siri is just in my way because I hit the wrong button on my computer. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Melanie, this has been such a pleasure to have this time with you. And I don't know if you were aware, I lived in Denver for 24 years. I did not um, know that. I moved back to the East Coast in 2016. So next time I'm in Colorado, I'm going to look you up. Yes, let's go have lunch. Yeah, that would be really fun. But yeah, thank you. I love what you're up to. I just think your passion for storytelling and also your commitment to bringing forward underrepresented voices is incredibly inspiring. And I thank you once again for being here with us on The Author's Corner. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, 
simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time. 